It's time for another season of The Palmetto Porch, an original podcast from Discover South Carolina. I'm Devin Whitmire. Join me as I get to the heart of what makes South Carolina such a great place to visit by speaking to the locals who make it so special. Premiering December 5th, find The Palmetto Porch wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information about our show, visit scpalmettoporch.com. another BritFlix.com podcast. Today with me, I've got Dan Palmer. Hello, Dan. Hi, Stuart. How are you? I'm very well. I'm very well. And where are you at the moment? I'm actually in um, the Catalonian mountains. That isn't a fib. I'm uh, staying at my folks' house doing some writing. So I'm, uh, it's, I'm a bit, it's a bit overlooked hotel at the moment. I really, I really thought you were going to say, I'm in the home counties and it's a bit wet, but you've, uh, no, you've, no, you've brightened no, up your day there. Yeah, I picked a good time because at the time of the recording, this obviously this um, England's underwater. So I'm sitting back watching the BBC News and uh, laughing whilst drinking tequila. <laughs> <laughs> not quite. <laughs> now, now you're not here to show off about your holiday and your writing trip. You're here no. to talk about. Um... Hey, Go on, sorry. I made the listeners from the beginning of the podcast. It's <laughs> a good start. Um, so you're here to talk about Stalled and uh, the hor- horror comedy film and its <coughs> imminent DVD release. Do you want to do you want to give the listener um, a quick synopsis of what that film is about? Yeah, sure. Stalled is about a uh, kind of melancholy uh, janitor who's um, working on Christmas Eve during a office party, and he finds himself trapped in a ladies' restroom during um, the zombie apocalypse. And the entire film uh, takes place inside a stall, inside a ladies' restroom or bathroom or toilet, depending on what part of the world you're in. And, and that's, and that's what, one of the interesting things that we'll, we'll certainly try to explore in this podcast. I mean, I'm, I've yeah. recently just signed up for um, an hour's sort of writing class about um, contained films. So... Oh, really? You're 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 now becoming a case study as a, as a as a as an accident of circumstance. Yeah, um, it was funny. Christian, Christian James was talking to a young filmmaker the other day who'd seen Stalled and he enjoyed it. And he said, "I've got an idea for a zombie film." And Christian said, "Oh, brilliant! Well, what is it?" Because I'm thinking, you know how um, you look at shoppers in malls and oh. they're like almost like zombies. And Christian was like, "Yeah." Well, I'm thinking of setting one in a in a mall. And, you know, doing a parallel between shoppers, <laughs> the consumer being a zombie. <laughs> Christian said, you may want to see Dawn of the Dead. <laughs> um, yeah. No, it is, it's, it's, it's heartening that people, you know, and it, it, if you think of those ideas and they do marry up with ones that exist, that's, that means mm. you're on the right track. But, um, yeah, given there's two versions of Dawn of the Dead and you're a zombie fan, that's, that's uh, you're missing a trick there, yeah. I think. And also they're great films. So let, before we before we get into any detail about the about stalled, I, I want to talk about you because you you are not only um, the star of the film but you're also the writer of the screenplay. Yeah. So so before we get into details about 
about the um, about the film itself. I just want to talk to you about your your writing habit, if I can. Sure, okay. Um, so when when you're um, when you're writing a screenplay, what's your general approach to it? Are you a kind of dive in, get going? Are you a pilot research? Are you an index card man? Are you an outliner? You a burn burn yeah. the midnight oil? Are you a Catalonian mountain? It's really odd if I if I was ever in one of these you know uh, um, yeah, one of these kind of uh, you know pod, one of these podcasts um, one of these film podcasts they ask you about um, script writing I don't know what I'd say because um, I don't really have a specific routine uh, my my routine has always been different per script which means it isn't a routine I suppose hmm. um, but we've we've stalled. It's annoying, actually. Um, I don't know if other writers find this, but I find that the scripts which I slave over and slave over over months and years are never as good as the ones that just kind of like vomit out of me. And Stalled was one of those. Um, and um, I, I'd had saying that I did have the idea in my head, not as a script, but just a notion in my head after seeing Dawn of the Dead um, as a kid um, mm. at the end of the Dead. Sort of deluged with the compound, and also that, that, that's it. As a kid, it was just absolutely just just uh, terrifying. And then I think it's Steel just um, goes fuck it and shoots himself in the head. And I can remember thinking, oh god, why didn't he just hide in a cupboard or something? And that idea then scared me, thinking, oh my god, if he did that, then you'd be in this sort of like hermetically sealed, like you know, little little compartment um, surrounded by the, the sea of the undead. Hmm. And that was an idea that just rattled in my head, just not, not a movie uh, concept, I was just a kid, but it was just um, a notion which scared me. So that popped back in my head, um, you know, a few years back. Can I just check something with you then, Dan? I mean, what, what, what's in, in, the, in the kind of sense of make installed, what came first, the kind of need for a contained horror that was something you no, could, or, or was no, it, was it the idea for stalled? It was, yeah, it was a happy coincidence, really, because um, people think that. But it was um, it works. I didn't even think about the kind of uh, the contained uh, kind of genre, like your, your ATMs and your um, Frozen, not Disney one, um, and your kind of Barry <laughs> until until afterwards. Uh, oh yeah, it's one of those. And I hadn't set out to do that. And to be honest, I hadn't. I'm not. I'm not really a massive fan of that kind of film. I do. I do like. Buried and frozen and stuff, but um, I'm not, it's not it's not the um, the first film I would gravitate to. So I had written one of those films, but it wasn't my initial intention. Um, and it was just an idea, like I say, it was an idea I had as a kid. It's just a, a, a simple, frightening thought that popped into my noggin when I was watching a Romero film. Um, and but to the, the delight of Christian James and our producers, it was a you know um, a very accessible and easily realized film as well so that it was the best of both worlds it was a water water cooler idea as they say and also um a relatively simplistic um production given you were as you described it vomited this one out um Mm. how many how many sort of drafts did you go through to get to the get ready for production was it was it yeah it's quite a weird little uh journey because we um we basically filmed the first draft but we wrote six drafts if that makes any sense because what happened was i wrote the first draft and it just came out and i 
had this idea and normally I, I do work with Christian and you know I, I'm the writer and Christian James is the director but mm. normally I you know a lot of as most of the best directors that you know Christian has his ideas and puts in um, his of like you know two cents and all that to the budget um, and um, you know and we, we just sort of like chat back and forth but restored I just went off and did it with my, set, my friend Peter Stanley Ward who directed the film Small Town Folk which I was in a few years back okay um, he he, um, uh, I was walking along Bournemouth Beach with him, and I said, oh, you know, uh, I think I oh, like, you know, um, my kind of sixth production had gone belly up, and um, it'd been it'd been a while since uh, you know we'd filmed anything. Can we get to that point where like should we just you know start working at you know uh, Staples or something? And um, and uh, I started talking about the zombie film set in a toilet, and Pete said. You got to write that. That's just that's just that's just amazing. You got to write it. And he he's got a um, a big kids film kind of not not a, the film's big, not the kids. Um, he's got a big <laughs> kids film uh, in development, and it's a much bigger film. So he's like a director kind of kicking his heels at the moment, but you know speculating to accumulate. Yeah. So he said he said, oh look, I, I'd like to you know do something while whilst, whilst waiting for this to sort of to break. So I could maybe get into produce something. And so I wrote it and Pete kind of helped me edit it a bit. And then he read it and said, um, this is what Christian written all over it. So ironically, I'd written something, you know, apart from Christian, but it was, you know, tailor made for Christian. Mm. Um, and um, sorry, what was the original question? <laughs> it was, it was, was it? yeah, no, I think you've, I think you've covered the, I think you've covered the ground there. That was, it was just, the... yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it was just all of that was how many drafts. Um, you you you, 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 you give us a so, full yeah, story then. Um, was it? Yeah. So Christian read it, and um, it was it was called Occupied at the time, and mm. um, I was I was adamant not to put the words dead or um, zombie in the in the title. So I quit. It was called Occupied, and Christian didn't have any idea it was a zombie movie, um, and he wouldn't have he wouldn't have read it if I'd have told him. Why Why was you? So conscious not to put dead or zombie in the title. Well, not to name names, but there've been so many terrible zombie films post Twenty Eight Days Later and Sean and the Dawn of the Dead, James Gunn, Zack Snyder remake. That yeah. you know, um, that especially British ones, and especially by people that didn't like the genre or didn't know anything about the genre. It's just like they're cheap. You know, they're cheaper than Walkmen. Um, yeah. Okay. And uh, so there've been this whole plot. And um, there's one particular British one, I won't mention it, but I really, really hate it. <laughs> and um, and um, the dialogue is so awful. And uh, and it's just, you know, and I didn't even like Romero's newer ones. They're like my Phantom Menace and them, um, you know, those, the, the Diary of the Dead and Survival and Land, they're like my new Star Wars trilogy. You know, I watch those and pretend I like them, but I really don't. Um, oh, no, so I, was, I, was, I, can, I can give Land a lot of time. Um, Land's got its moments. Land has got its moments, but uh, I just think there's just so many. Like, I know this sounds really picky, but like um, Dennis Hopper's like Dennis Hopper's filling a suitcase full of money and running away. What are you going to do with that money? <laughs> I, I know that's a really <laughs> stupid picky thing, and I just thought it was a bit. I don't know. It, it wasn't terrible, but the other ones I thought. Well, it's, it's were, interesting. You 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 sort of talk like that. Obviously, that means. That makes it sound, and it's probably true. You have a, you're obviously a fan of of the zombie genre, and one mm. of the most interesting things for me watching Stalled was 
that clearly this is this is a story about the toilet attendant and not zombies. If if you take the yeah. drift, um, which is always well, I, the important thing about the films that presumably you love, like the original Dawn of the Dead or Day of the Dead, is that for for all of the presence of zombies in the story, and even Shaun of the Dead more recently, you know, for all the presence of the, the zombies, the real story is the one you're watching. The zombies just happen to be obstacles to that them people. Yeah, and I think that's what's evident in, like, if you watch, say, um, the remake of Dawn of the Dead, you can tell that James Gunn is a fan, and if you watch Shaun of the Dead, you can tell that Peg and Wright are, are fans, and hopefully you're still too, because... No, no, no that's exactly what I'm saying. That's exactly what I'm saying. You, 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 yeah. you, you present as this idea of the hapless toilet attendant who gets trapped, and it's it's his... You definitely get his story, not not a load of ways to eat a body. Exactly, exactly. And if I think if you are um, if you have watched these films since you're a kid, um, like those filmmakers I mentioned, and myself and Christian, I think you're so kind of um, they're so part of the um, they're so part of your DNA that you don't feel the need to um, go over, you know, old ground again. And they're almost just like a mild, annoy- mild annoyance installed because I didn't want them to be this, we didn't even say, we, you know, we don't even bother saying, you know, I think then, I wonder what's happened. I think there must have been a spilt, you know, toxic waste barrel or something. Mm. You know, we just, the characters don't even have this conversation about, I think there must be a zombie attack from somewhere. You know, we don't even say what caused it or what happened, and we don't even discuss what a zombie is because, God, if you don't know what a zombie is by now, then you've been living under a rock or you're, you know, um, a, a baby, you know. Um, so I think basically we approached it like the zombies are this uh, this device to trap these characters within, the, within that hermetic arena, and, you know, um, you know, we don't spend too much time talking about stuff which a thousand other films have done really well or really badly you know yeah Um, i must admit your your um your dialogue is very much about about the characters not not the situation as such isn't it yeah i mean like you know for example they you know like if you not to draw comparisons but you know like pick any disaster you know i mean today like the the, the flooding and stuff you know Mm. um you know, I'm sure there's people sitting around. Not, I'm sure those people aren't talking about the flood non-stop. I'm sure they're talking about, you know, not getting laid last night, or um, you know, a horrible bill that's come through, or an argument with somebody. You know, I'm mm. sure on September 11th, you know, there were conversations not about like the towers coming down. Yeah. And um, you are going to get, you are going to, you know, the, just look at, you know, um, how we react in wartime. You know. Um, and I, I just think, you know, having the two cats sitting around and talking about zombies would get boring fast. Um, and I like the fact that we kind of hint that the world is bored of zombies um, and, you know, the, as in the audience are bored of zombies. So we kind of almost make the characters bored of zombies. Um, I, heard, I haven't seen it, but I've heard they do a similar thing in, in, the, in Battery as well. Um, and... Uh, you know, we we just wanted to have these. I, I kind of wanted to bring in the horror crowd with like the promise of gore and blood and and, and malarkey, and then insert like a before sunrise or you know um, a, a Clark's 
into the proceedings. So I mean, um, uh, what you, uh, I, you, you from 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 a writing point of so? view, Dan, what what I enjoyed a lot was um, was was the economy actually of your of your storytelling. I felt you know there was lots of things. There was there's, there's very there's it's a very contained space, so therefore you've got to maximize it and maximizing it you do you know and a very simple one at the beginning is um i'm trying to think now is, is it a no smoking sign that's hanging on a on a on a screw yeah that's the original reason why our our janitor character goes in is to fix a speaker yeah. and the dangling but, the, but sign. the fact that that becomes a bit of skirting to block the zombie um, spoil, just a little spoiler there. It's not a massive one, but just just the <laughs> idea. But but I'm using that as a kind of minor example of where everything we see becomes a cause and effect. It's not just simply here's some stuff, here's some other stuff, here's some other stuff, here's some zombies. Yeah. You know, you really do. And 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 I'd love you to talk us through some of the some of the challenges of obviously as much as you you, you say you vomited this story out, but actually you know over seventy five ninety pages you were trying to create action that would be cinematic in one space, but also mm. have the element of setup and payoff as well. Um, mm. So what were the challenges for you utilising that restricted space and keeping it cinematic and not just making well, it a theatre production with a camera on? Yes, well, yeah, I mean, this kind of goes back to answer your question from, from uh, two hours ago. Yeah, the, well, we had the, I did vomit out past, but then we did write, yeah, five kind of consequent drafts. Mm. Um, and that's because we had a producer, which ultimately didn't end up producing the film, wanted to have exterior stuff. We knew in our guts it was wrong and it was piercing that bubble. But, you know, we wanted to make a film. Yeah. And um, so we kind of had, <clears throat> like... Uh, we had a, um, a bookends, and we we also cut and I shuddered to think about it now. We actually cut to office shenanigans outside. So the what what ultimately was the you know the thrust of the movie would have just been almost like a B plot. Um, so it's kind of like we love the concept now change it. Mm. Um, so we wrote all those drafts, then we realised look this isn't going to work. So we you know amicably amicably parted mm. um, and. And then when Richard Kerrigan and Dan Pickering, our producers, came on board, we went back to the first draft, but used some of the better things from those constant drafts into the first one. So the process wasn't a waste of time. We actually sort of got some great stuff from that. But so what happened was the, 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 the budget was very low, as is probably evident by the watch the movie. And I think in turn that helped us economise and work out what was important to the script. So it was extra stuff, and we just had to, you know, I think a week or two before um, uh, a week or two before shooting, you know, myself, Christian James, and um, Peter Stanley Ward sat down and just um, we just basically um, you know stream stuff down. What do we need? What don't we need? So the the economy of the script was also was due mostly to the you know the the lack of economy. <laughs> um, so. Yeah, and there was stuff which was probably not really important to the script, which went. I mean, there was a major segment where WC was, um, he, he, there was this condom machine in the toilets and he, he the, the other person that he makes friends with in the toilet was throwing change over to him so he could get condoms out of the change machine. He made a, a condom lasso and tried to lasso the hammer, which was on the other side of the, the, the restroom. All this elaborate stuff, which reads okay on the page, but the practicality would have been kind of very problematic. So, 
we scrimmed all that down um, and that's why it's so, you know, that's what's so tight. Um, if I had more money, I would have probably gone crazy. I would have done a Dan Aykroyd and just added all this crazy stuff, you know. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, the great thing about working with a limited kind of sandbox is you, it's, I find it quite freeing in a way, because if someone said to me, here's 10 million, do what you want, I'd probably sit there like going, uh, but if you're told this is what you have to play with, you know, like, okay, this is a, this is a lady's restroom. What do you get in a lady's restroom? You know, mm. you get, there's going to be a toilet, there's going to be toilet paper, uh, there's going to be a nice smoking sign, there's going to be a, a tampon box, there's going to be a, um, a, a hand dryer. Um, and then you just work out what you can use and what and how you would use them and be a bit MacGyver with it, you know. No, um, no, and that's that's what I thought. That's what I found. I mean, for those that haven't seen it, that are listening, that's what's most impressive about the movie is that what what you would expect to see in a lady's toilet is used to its maximum effect to either a create problems for our hero or b be part of the solution. Mm, yeah. And we were adamant not to kind of break those rules. And one thing, you know, Christian brought a, you know, a shipload to the table. But the one thing he brought to the, brought to the film was he was like, A, adamant not to break out the, you know, the, the, um, not to show stuff outside of the bathroom. And also, um, like, he, he, most, of my, most of the viewpoint is from the cubicle. Not necessarily my character's POV, mm. but, um, like, what you do see outside the cubicle, um, is from you know the, the position of the um, the store where I, I'm trapped, um, and um, I, I think when you break out of those rules, like you know the movie ATM, which like you know um, they they gets really if you watch that film, it's really ridiculous and yeah. kind of like they have their concept and they don't stick to it. Um, and I think if you do a movie like Buried, or you you have to, and Buried does does do this brilliantly. I think you have to you have to stay true to, to the predicament. Yeah, I must admit, a, a, ATM, you have to sort of suspend your, I mean, you always suspend your, your belief, your disbelief sometimes, but that, that did seem to be an easy way to get out. Yes. I do recommend it just for a very, if you want a ridiculous beer and pizza night. And, and it's, oh, no, Because it is just, you know, and Alice Eve is in it, so, you know, that's not too bad. <laughs> um. Um, I, it, uh, you'll have noted in my review on, on Britflix probably that I particularly enjoyed the uh, talking about trying to get out of the room as such. The uh, and this is a maybe a little spoiler. Um, the disco biscuit escape. Yes. <laughs> um, which I just thought was a real. I mean, you, you. It was almost where we spent so much time in the toilet. You you gave us. You gave us a little rest, as it were, and that and that I think that helped with the pace of the film. And but it didn't, it didn't, like you say, break the rules of the film either. No, yeah, and that's the thing. If you, if you, like you say, you sit there and you think, what have we got? What can we do? And you think, okay, how can we legitimately give the audience a bit of a, a sorbet? You know, how can we, how can we break out of this um, stylistically as well without kind of you know losing the audience? And that's a way to do it. Um, and um, you know, we turn the, the the restroom into a kind of um, into a battleground. Why don't we turn it into a disco? You know, mm. and um, so that, that, it was just an extension of what we've done before, but in a completely different way. Um, 
and also I love the fact that you know you can we can put a, a little bit of a dancing in the trailer <clears throat> excuse me and the audience will be like what what <laughs> what's going on <laughs> I love it when you see a trailer and there's this one moment you're like huh um so um yeah and and it seems to be a favorite of a lot of people we had to cut it differently to how it was originally in the script because um the there's like a disco board didn't work and yeah. we were really up against time so we everything was filmed in a barn in southern england in dorset but okay. we, we filmed three days separate to the main shoot in pinewood um and that sounds fancy but it was basically just in an office corridor in, uh, and in the shed um right. and so we really up against it and it was, it was between christmas and new year's and we had this big disco ball and it's going to reflect all these light um all this light all over me and it didn't work and so christian had to kind of do this kind of like very epileptic <laughs> editing to mm. save it i think it actually improved the um improved the sequence well no it didn't it didn't feel it didn't feel awkward from a viewing point of view certainly from my from where i saw it mm. it was uh you know if you're trapped the only way out is through your mind isn't it and i think that's a yeah. clever that's a, yeah, it wasn't just for laughs. It wasn't just for like Austin Powers laughs. Yeah. It was also like it was to be a bit pretentious about it. It was also meant to be like it kind of. Um, he's quite an uptight character, and he's quite a kind of tightly wound character. And through the help of you know his assistant, um, you know he uh, manages to loosen up, and that's what in turn enables him to go about. You know, uh, attempting yeah, which to, I think to, that's the way I described it in the um, in the review. It it, 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 it definitely works, um, mm. but also you, you you're clear that this character's. I mean, also this character's never taken a ecstasy tablet in his life, so it felt very. Oh. You know, that made it all the more believable that in the midst in the midst of a zombie outbreak, he'd suddenly have the surge of happiness. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. In, in the worst case possible, he's finally happy. Yeah. <laughs> but but going back to your storytelling though, Dan. I mean, I look. You know that that you know the setup for the speaker pumping it, bleeding in music was very early on in the in the film. So how how all mm. that you know that payoff there was, and you, you you pay off on that speaker a couple of times, I think, don't you, from the rightly. Um, but that yeah. That was another thing that had to get mixed a little bit. Maybe it was best that it did, but I, you know, wanted all these. I, I'm, I'm not a big Christmas fan, like the character, but um, I, there's a few Christmas songs I really like. Hmm. Obviously, I'd written in. I know you're not meant to do this, but I always do it. And Christian says, "Stop writing songs in your scripts." But I always write songs in my script. And um, and uh, you know, I had all these. I had um, Christmas wrapping by the waitresses, which I love. And um, uh, Blue Christmas by Elvis, which I knew we'd never get. And so I had all these songs. None of them, obviously, were in the film. It's all, it's all, um, uh, you know, public domain, old stuff. You know, just our friend, just uh, riffing on Silent Night or whatever. Mm. Um, and it's better for it. Um, but originally, you meant to have all these, all these standards sort of playing. You know? No Slade though, because I can't fucking stand that song. <laughs> <laughs> well, looks, looks. Uh, when when is the um, when's the DVD out then? What's your what's your release date? Uh, the DVD and Blu-ray um, are out in the UK on the twenty fourth of February, um, and you can buy it in ASDA and all three HMVs, <laughs> and um, you can all you can order it now on Amazon or the usual places, 
And it's uh, the DVD's only eight quid, and there's loads of extras. There's um, some storyboard comparisons. We've got these beautiful storyboards done by an artist called Natasha Savile, and they're just amazing. I want to get some um, frames because they're just beautiful. So we've done this um, uh, storyboard to screen comparison thing. There's two of those. Uh, there's two commentaries. Christian James and I chat to TV's Rick Edwards. Um, and there's a 45 minute behind the scenes too. And it's not one of those kind of like um, talking head kind of back slapping things. It's actually like, you know, just fly on the wall watching us make a film. And if you're interested in low budget filmmaking, it should be quite, quite interesting. Mm. So um, yeah, the special features. So the 24th of February, pick it up. And uh, is that going to be on iTunes as well as things like that? Um, in the States, it's already on iTunes and and on Netflix and Hulu and Voodoo and all that stuff. Okay. Um, I, I don't know about VOD over here uh, in England. I think it is, but don't quote me. Okay, okay. Um, Keep an eye on our Facebook and our Twitter and all that <laughs> malarkey. And I've, I mean, I, I, I saw it uh, playing out at um, Ramskrieg, the Norwegian Horror Festival. Oh, uh, blimey. In okay. October. Um, I'm in the process of developing a film myself out in Norway, and it just so happens that this festival is about 20 miles from my location. So uh, I went over there and did a report, which is... Uh, I also... My, my little slot, as it were, to talk about my film was just before your film showed. Oh, wow. So I'd, I'd, I'd contacted Christian and got, and got a little intro from him. So, because to to say sorry, you couldn't be there, but uh, you know, please enjoy the film and stuff. So, I got to uh, I got to intro your movie. Oh wow! I didn't know that. Yeah, well, that's amazing. Thank you. I hope you said this is a piece of shit. Mine's going to be much better. <laughs> no, no, my <laughs> my, uh, my zombie film set in a matchbox. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got I got well contained on your ass. <laughs> No, no, no. Yeah, no. It was fun. It was. Uh, it was. And, and the reason I mentioned that is, is, is it, is it still sort of doing the rounds? Is there dates in the calendar anywhere in the world where stalled is we going to appear? Done. I thought well, well, you think you're out, and they pull you back in. Um, we were uh, we we're at Fantas Porto, uh, which is great. Yeah. Um, and it was somewhere else, but I can't remember. We were definitely at Fantas Porto. So uh, it, that's Portugal, isn't it? I think. I think so. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, we're there. Um, and I think there's another one or two. There might be a few little ones, for, you know, um, just to sort of promote the, the DVD. But, um, but Fantasporto is the only one I'm definitely mm. about. Um, and then hopefully, yeah, we just, you know, put store to bed and get on with our next one. Did, I mean, and I meant to ask you before. Did you did you um, did you write with yourself in mind, or were you part of the budget, being the being the, uh, the lead? I've written, I've written scripts because our, our last film was, you know, Donkeys years ago, and we've, you know, been trying to get one off the ground, you know, for the last, you know, decade. Yeah. Uh, so I've written scripts. So because of that, I've got, you know, a backload of, of scripts and either synopsis form or, or in fully formed screenplays. And some I've written with parts for myself in mind, um, and some I haven't. But with uh, stalled, it, like a, we kind of got to that point where it was just like, well, if we don't make a film now and we don't make a can't get a film set entirely in a toilet off the ground, then we really haven't got any right in the film business, you know. <laughs> and so I thought, well, I'm going to write this part for myself. Okay. And so I wrote it. With, I wrote it with my voice in mind, and um, you know, but I did say to the producers, Richard Kerrigan and Dan Pickering, look, if you need a Noel Clark or Danny Dyer, um, 
you know, I'm not going to stand in your way, but they had faith in me as a, as a performer and faith in Christian as a director and also we were cheap. So um, that helped. Um, so, yeah, I, I did write with myself in mind and luckily I did get to play it. Um, and, you know, I think I did all right. <laughs> and did you, did you do your own stunts? I'm thinking, yes. I'm thinking of the ladder uh, across, the to- across the toilet. So you can... Well, yeah. You'd be, this is another. This is a testament to our effects guys, actually. Uh, Dan, Dan Pickering and Annex and, and Studio, and also um, our friend Tom Savile, who works out of his garage. Mm. Um, he, uh, it was really weird. It's a fusion of this kind of top effects team in Pinewood and our friend, our nerd friend in the garage. Um, they did loads of effect shots. I can't remember how many, but still just got a surprising amount of effect shots. But you know, some of them are obvious. A few dodgy blood splatters here and there. Mm. But um, some. You'd never know. It's that hardest stuff, you know. It's okay, you know. You know, a dragon is fantastical, but like making, you know, everyone's everyone's seen a wall or a ceiling, and there's a, quite a few virtual ceilings in there, virtual walls and stuff. So, but a lot of the stunts aren't like, for example, me crawling across the ladder over all the zombies. Um, you know, um, there's all this padding, you know, probably like two foot below me, but um, you know, they've obviously just comped it all out and then put the zombies in afterwards and stuff like that. So I did get a lot of bruises and cuts, but a lot of the stunts um, were kind of like, you know, I had, I had the uh, um, cotton wool of effects around me. So it's more wacky warehouse than uh, Six Million Dollar Man. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> so um, what have you got? If, if this, is, this is you at the kind of tail end, you know, the DVD's coming out and you've been to many festivals and there's still a couple floating around. Um, mm. what, what, what have you... What projects have you got in the pipeline that you could talk about at the moment? Anything that's um, that's getting some momentum? Well, I mean, yeah, it's always anno- it always annoyed me when I listened to interviews and people would say, you know, I can't really go into detail, um, but I can't really go into detail. Um, no, that's fine. I mean, it's, it's perfectly normal because obviously I mean, people... No, I will, I, will, I will spoil the beans a little bit. I mean, we have, um, with the Stool team, as in that like, is Richard Kerrigan and the guys that made Stool, we have this um, kind of dark sci-fi comedy, um, which they, which I wrote a few years back, and they own, and hopefully that will be, you know, next for, for, from that group. Um, directed by Christian Stein myself, um, yeah. and I pitched that. I won't go into the the, the, the concept. I, I've I pitch it as a winning pitch. I pitch it as the Machinist meets Happy Gilmore, um, <laughs> <laughs> and I think our producer wants me to stop saying that. Um, and I was like, I pitched Stool as um, uh, uh, as Day of the Dead meets Career Opportunities. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> so I had to change that. Too. Um, and that's a really weird, sort of neat little script. And you know, hopefully off the heat of Stool, we should be getting that going soon. But you never know. Okay. And and there's other stuff which I've just written myself. Me and Christian have written our first script together since Free Count, which dare I say is a vampire film. Um, I never thought I'd write a vampire film, but we have, and it's something quite different. Um, so there's a few things. Sort of, hopefully I get to finally make a film with my friend James Eves, um, a Southampton-based director who directed Bane and Witch's Hammer, um, and we're good friends. We always sort of say we're going to... We made a short film called Rough White, which is this uh, crazy film about a toilet paper salesman. I can't get out of the toilet. 
Um, and uh, we keep on saying we're going to make something. So we'll probably do a little kind of strange little sort of indie this, this this year some at some point. So there's, okay. there's things in the ether, Stuart. We just okay. Well, look, Dan. I mean, you obviously. I mean, Britflix is always interested in hearing stories about British filmmakers. So you know, give us a knock when you've got more news, and we'll we'll give you the airwaves to talk about the project. Well, Dith, well, thank you. Thank you for your support and thank you for your amazing review. I mean, 3.5, I was a little bit annoyed we didn't get four, but, um, you know. It's seven out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why we have five. Uh, I want ten. Yeah, you know, I, I prefer the five. I think with ten, because then you can remember, you know, I can even, I can remember back to, yeah, I can remember sort of Empire reviews from like 1998 going, oh, yeah, Congo got this. Um, but if it's ten... It's not as you, you can't, it doesn't fall into the memory bank as easily. Ah, okay. Well, you know, um, I, think, I think empires say, don't they, if it's, three, if it's three stars, then it's, you know, it's, it's a good film. Mm. I don't know if it would be, we'll be reviewed in Empire. I'm not, not sure. Well, look, before you go, I want you, as, as, as you've done, a, as yours is a horror film, and um, yeah. I'd like you to recommend to the, the Britflix podcast listener, um, a, a British horror film that you think is underrated and deserves a bit more kudos. So it's your opportunity to shine a light on it. Okay. Well, I'm actually a bit of a, I'm a bit of a Yankophile, so um, you know, so British. This, I would, this is a bit of nepotism, so this one doesn't count. But I would recommend a film called. This one doesn't count, but I'll just say it anyway. Uh, this, uh, it's Harsh Light of Day, which is um, uh, a film directed by. Good friend of mine, Oliver Milburn, and produced by a good friend of mine, Emma Biggins, hmm. and they both slummed, stalled, and uh, Oliver, who's like I say, a director in his own right, he was our AD, did a great job, and Emma was our line producer. Okay. And they made they made this film a few years back, and um, it's very low budget. They did it on next to nothing. It stars Giles Alderson, who's a, also a friend of mine in hmm. school, um, and it's basically kind of taking the vampire kind of. Um, mythos and, and just sort of boiling it down to its most basic, you know, the basic details is, is ultra real. And they got a they got a UK release. I think Monster released it, and they had they had all these foreign territories um, kind of ready to go, and then it got um, pirated and it went all over all the torrents, and all the foreign deals just they, they just um, you know ripped it up and put it in the bin, and really? uh, so they never got. Um, it didn't think it released anywhere else, so it had a very small release. But Harsh Light of Day, just just go, go and buy a copy of Harsh Light of Day because it didn't get treated as well as it should have done. No, um, that's, and that's a very good recommendation. Um, but I would, but that's like I say, that's that's nepotism. So I would go for um, uh, Bloodbath at the House of Death. Watch Bloodbath at the House of Death. Um, it's a horror comedy starring Kenny Everett, who's a um, hero of mine, and it's written by Barry Cryer. And it stars Pamela Stevenson and Vincent Price, and it's just uh, this uh, just wacky horror comedy from 1984, and it's just absolutely nuts. And um, uh, have you seen it? I've got I have, but not for a long time. It's absolutely insane. I'm not mm. saying it's a great movie, but it's just to think that the British film actually made that in 1984, the same year as Ghostbusters. It's just pretty nuts. And, um, you know, Pamela Stevenson is, is in it, so what more do you need? So, yeah, Bloodbath at the House of Death, check it out. Well, I was going to say that there was a, there was a, the Vampire Motorcycle was a couple of years later, wasn't it? Yeah, there's like really, really sort of weird kind of era, isn't there, of British 
horror comedy of like you know um, vampire motorcycle and um, yeah you know bloodbath a house of death and a few I suppose a few years later you've got your, your like funny man and Pervarella those really weird kind of I don't know they're very strange aren't they very and um, eat the rich and all those kind of yeah, dirty yeah, yeah. British horror <laughs> comedy well look the McPhillips <laughs> well look look thank you very much for your time coming on the the podcast and for uh, telling us all about stalls. Uh, like I say, we'd definitely love to have you back on when uh, when there's more to tell us about other projects. That's that's something we look forward to. It's the At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.